Coming to you from the My Little Falls studio here in beautiful Little Falls, New York. It's your host, Scott Kinville, and another episode of Marty's Illegal Stick. And what's up, hockey fans, and welcome to episode number 23 of Marty's Illegal Stick being recorded here Wednesday, April 28th, 2021. You know, I thought maybe a fun, fun little game for us to play. When I announced that the, the episode number, maybe we could have just saved the first player that comes to our mind. What do you think? What episode number are we on? Number 23. So like, so it has to like match their sweater? Jeff, Bo- Jeff Bookaboom. <laughs> See, now Jeremy's in the spirit of things. Right? I, said, I said Dustin Jeff, Brown. Outstanding. <laughs> you know, Dustin Bobby, Brown. Bobby Nystrom. All right. Well, we, we, got some, we got some answers already. I like it. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, here. So we can get going with this show. Now I just distracted everybody with uh, jersey numbers. I'll bring in our panel really quick here. First of all, as always, my father, Leo Kenville. How we doing? Oh, top shelf, Scott. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Okay, let's get the show on the road. This is going to be fun. I don't know if I can get any higher than top shelf, but, you know, I can try. Well, well I know you. <laughs> <laughs> and up next, the doctor of hockey, Dr. Keith Lavatino. Keith, how's your dinner? <laughs> Me and my Tostitos are here for you guys. <laughs> I understand you just set the world land speed record getting back home. Oh, I was hoping I would be stopped by a police officer so I could say, Marty's illegal stick? Oh, no problem. Yeah, yeah but They'd let you go. Oh, yeah. They'd, 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 they'd let, let you go. go. Yeah, and would be like, well, I was going to reduce it, but not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Hey, absolutely. Anytime, buddy. You know that. Oh, up next, our producer who's back, Dave the Save Warner. I've, hey been, man, buddy. I've been here. You've been every back, time. but I mean, you know, I kind of, you know, okay. let yeah. you ease your way back. I'm in. easing back. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. All right. How you doing? I'm good. <laughs> You're good? I'm good. That's good. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. All right. <laughs> and last but certainly not least, our friend, my teammate, uh, the almost champions of COVID Cup 2021, Mr. Jeremy Roberts. What's going on, Jeremy? How you doing, Scotty? Not too bad. Uh, recovering from the weekend. Yeah, yeah, I'm still a little bit sore, but... Uh, yeah, we had to play two games in two nights, and uh, for, for guys like us, that's going to be a, a big ask at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 it's good. It's, it's, uh, it was a little draining. I mean, like I said, I, uh, I usually play Monday nights and Wednesday nights, and I took Monday off, and I'm taking tonight off, so I'll get back to it uh, next week. Yeah, but you know, we would do it all over again. You know that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and up next, I want to bring our guest in for today's show. Our guest is a former New York Ranger. He was a fifth-round draft pick of the team in 1995. I want to bring in Mr. Dale Purrington. Dale, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. How are you guys doing? Oh, Doing fantastic. How you been? I'm doing really good, thank you. I All appreciate right. you uh, inviting me to your show. No, we're, we're glad to have you. So as we were uh, talking before we came on the air here, you've been uh, doing some hiking? Yeah, I get out quite a bit. Um, there, there's just I live in I live in British Columbia, so we're just surrounded by mountains. But the the problem I'm having is once I get up there, it's getting back. <laughs> it's not like I can just step off the treadmill or when I was getting in you know, my whole career, I got bag skated. I could just stop and, and walk into the dressing room. But 
the hiking, you got to finish it. So it's uh, a bit of a challenge at times. Otherwise, call for a chopper, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Fight the bears, too. You know, it's funny you mentioned call it. The, call, the co- call the Coast Guard with high blood pressure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I remember Rocky Four, that scene where Rocky climbed to the top of the mountain and he puts his arms out and he's yelling, Drago. That was actually filmed in British Columbia. I don't know if anybody knows that or not. Yes. And I always I thought, not, like, I did not know that. You didn't know that? Yeah, yeah no, wow. he was never in Russia that whole time. I felt so cheated when I found that out. <laughs> Thank me, you just completely ruined the movie. For me. <laughs> it's my favorite one, too. It's the only one I really like. Jeez. Oh, uh, so, yeah, so I always just kind of wondered how he got down from that mountain, because if you look at that helicopter view, it's like, wow. Number one, how'd you get up there? And two, good luck, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, so Dale, you said you're you're in British Columbia now. Originally, you're from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Is that correct? That is correct. So, um, my my dad my dad played for the Fort Wayne Comets. Um, oh, and wow. in 1980, yeah, 1980, we moved back to Sycamus, uh, BC, in the interior. Um, so I live between here and Vancouver Island. I have a place on Vancouver Island as well. So. Um, yeah, we just, uh, when he, when he finished playing there, we came up here and, and, um, you know, that's where I started playing my hockey career, um, at five years old was here in Sycamore. Okay. That's a beautiful country out there, isn't it? Yeah, it's really nice. It's, it's, uh, we're, we're about, uh, we're about five hours from Vancouver and then we're about, we're right in between Vancouver and Calgary and Alberta. So we're just right on that stretch of highway. Um, and it's just surrounded by lakes and, and mountains, and and we get we we have a Shushwap Lake here, and then um, so we have half the season on the lake, and then half the season uh, on Skidoo's. It's uh, oh, wow. it's one of Canada's uh, top destination for snowmobiles. So we uh, we got a full season of, um, of time to play. That's awesome. That is really awesome. So you, you got into hockey once you moved back into Canada. Were you always a defenseman? Um. Well. I, I'm the youngest of 10 kids, so I, I started oh. off as a goalie. Um, I started a street hockey career because I didn't have a choice. My brothers just put me in that. <laughs> basically, played on gravel, too. So. And, and it was like, I would rather get hit by rocks because if I tried to come out, I was going to get beat up anyway. So I just kind of, I don't know. I didn't really have a position. I was just told where to play, and so it kind of started later on. You guys had your own team then? Yeah. 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 Well, there's a ton of kids. And, and only one bicycle, so it was uh, it was a challenge. You had to get up. I'm, I'm used to always getting up early because I I've been doing it since I've been you know five or six just to get on the bike and ride away in the dark. <laughs> well, it was like survival of the fittest, right? Yeah, it was dangerous. It was, Tommy Laidlaw had nothing on Survivor. You should have lived in my house. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, we also talked about that before, too. So we, we everybody knows we had Tom Laidlaw on about a month ago, and he was your agent at one time. Yeah, Tommy. Yeah, and, and you know, just I, I, I love the guy. He's just salt of the earth. And, you know, whenever he talks or, you know, tells he's amazing at telling stories and holding courts. And he's just a beautiful man. So just uh, to have him on my side and, and to kind of walk me through life and, and just be around. Um, I just can't say enough about him. I, I just love the guy, and, and I'm glad he's still doing lots of work out in the community. Yeah, yeah, he's he's fantastic. He's got he's also got his shows on YouTube, and, yeah, he was just a, a great guest to have on. So you uh, you got your start in the Western Hockey League for junior hockey, correct? I want to say uh, Moose Jaw Warriors where you started, right? 
Yeah, I was I was uh, listed by Moose Jaw and ended up um, I ended up playing a couple games with them. Uh, Mike Babcock was the coach in Moose Jaw at the time. Oh wow! And um, and then I went back and I played a year in the BCHL and then my rights were traded to Tacoma Rockets and then we, I played a year in Tacoma. That's when I got drafted by the Rangers and then the team moved to Kelowna, which are currently the Kelowna Rockets. Okay. Okay. And then halfway through that season, I got traded to the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Wow! So you went on a tour of the Western Hockey League, huh? Yeah, everyone wanted me. It was hard to. It was hard to stay put. <laughs> Everybody wanted you for what? You couldn't skate. Wow! <laughs> Dale, well, just remember, I, I, Jeremy said that no, I didn't. It's okay. No, no, it's those are good comments. Except I would rather not skate and have championships than just be second best, right? Uh, oh, <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> See, this is this is you were so this, close. This is why this, this is why I've missed this man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, uh, so in your junior hockey days, the, um, obviously, I know I'd ask you about being a defenseman and all that. Is that where you kind of uh, picked up, uh, say, like being an enforcer, or no? That was that was being born into that family. <laughs> <laughs> that was just like everyday life, <laughs> and, 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 I, and, and that's honestly that that's where a lot of that starts. Is like, um, like it's just it's a rough upbringing with that many kids, and and you know you're always wrestling and fighting, and and you know my my brother that's four years older than me, like I was always a fairly tough kid because of that. He would always bring his friends over and make me fight them, and we were always boxing, and and so I think that kind of starts like. It's really tough to um, – you, you see in junior hockey or people like, well, that, that guy would be, you know, so much better. we got to make him mean and we got to make him tougher. And, and the trick to that is, you know, don't give your kids stuffies and, and don't let them share his toys. Like, <laughs> you can't just be like, okay, we'll go on the ice and now you're an animal. That, that's not really how it works, right? It's kind of, you know, I, I've seen guys who were big tough guys or, or big guys and they try to make them fighters well – you know, they ended up, a lot of them ended up getting hurt early or, or had, you know, we, we all, we all have injuries obviously, but mm -hmm. um, unless you learn to really wrap up and, and roll off stuff and, and not take, you know, shot after shot um, is the only way you can kind of sustain that for, for a while. Eventually it catches up to, to all of us for sure. Um, but, you know, as far as kind of just having a bit edgy, I think it starts when you're young. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like you, like you just said, like, you know, you says how it, how it catches up to you. Um, I was listening to a podcast with uh, McGratton uh, a few weeks ago, yeah. and he was even saying he goes he he knows guys and even him himself he'll he'll you know he knows guys that they can't even get out of bed without taking like ibuprofen before they even move for the day yeah. and they're just popping pills all day long just and it's just from the the rigorous seasons that they've had from just banging with each other in in the NHL and just you know going through the whole league and everything of it going back and forth and just trying to be that enforcer type that they try to make them be. Yeah, and like like my own example, like I got I got three boys, and I, and I'm not kidding you guys. This is no joke. Like my kid, we have like on the property. Like my kids have a golf cart, and and I swear, like they have they wear robes. Like I'm just like I'm I'm like I don't even understand. <laughs> and my one son said to me last year, he's like, he's like, Dad, um, I I think I'm I, I think I, I'm kind of want to relax, and I'm like looking at him. He's wearing a robe. He's telling me to relax, and I said to him, "I'm like, you're gonna live to your 140." He's like, "Well, what do you mean?" I said, "Well, I've never seen someone relax from relaxing." I'm like, "Your whole life is relaxing." Like, uh, I just these are my kids. I just laugh like nothing. Like it's completely opposite of how I was raised. But um, you know, it just is what it is. And 
and you know, um, it, it definitely makes me laugh. But yeah, like guys, uh, you know, the awareness of, of guys. You know, a lot of that game has changed. Obviously, we don't have as much of that going on. But you know, there there was a skill to that, right? There there was a right. skill to being tough. And and you know, you, there's so many impact guys that made differences in games when you knew guys were on the bench, and it changes the outcome of stuff. And so, um, but. There's so much sacrifice with that, and and there is, you know, there's, you know, there's three guys, there's three guys that I know personally that are on the streets right now that all played in the NHL, and and you know, and I'm sure there's there's more, and, and sure, right. Right. you know, there's so many guys struggling, and and you know, it's it's the awareness of it, and, it, and it's hard, right? Like it's hard to understand that, you know, these guys that were just such amazing men, and and you know, competitors to play against, and guys we played with that that are you know really struggling now from the game we love and so um you know it's a kind of a give and take thing you know like we've talked before um you know we we've might we've talked you know dale and i have known each other for for years now so and we've we've chatted about stuff like especially about the fighting going on in the leagues and you know dale what is your take on fighting now compared to then or even then do you think it belongs or do you think it doesn't belong well, I, I like, I like, well, let's just talk about like, this guy used to put me to bed at night, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get, we'll get right, into that yeah. in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, well yeah. put though. I like how you gently uh, pushed us towards that. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I like, I, I, th- I think about it obviously um, quite a bit. Um, and you know, like those days, I, I think, for me, one of my favorite players of all time is Wendell Clark and, and the way he played. I, I just don't believe, I don't think he could play in the game today because he was just so rough. Right. Mm-hmm. But I, but I believe like if, if, because I love to play, I love the way that game's played and I love, you know, that toughness. But if, if we're going to really sit down and think about, okay, how are we going to change this? Right. Like what are we going to do to prevent these injuries? Right. So, so how do we change it? And I think so much emphasis was put on the fighting part when really fighting is only 10% of the head injuries. Right. What we have to look at, if you do want to change, it's the hitting aspect of it. But there's so many, you know, there's so many people that don't want that out of there. And, and we come up with just band-aids for it. Um, fighting keeps guys in, in, in line way more. And, and there's a fear aspect to it, but really like Sidney Crosby's not going to lose his career from a fight. It's going to be, you know, another dirty hit or right. a right. shot or, you know, an elbow to the head. How do we prevent that stuff fighting? Uh, you know, I think there's still some fights, but it was nothing like it used to be. It used to be scary to be out there, to be honest with you. And, well, and that's, now, what, that's what McGrath I look said. at the league and there's not really one guy who would really scare me. There's, there's some fairly tough guys and, and, you know, and, and great hockey players. Like, People talk about hockey all the time, and it's like this new NHL, and I find it hilarious, right? I'm like, okay, well, the new NHL, it's like, it's like when has the draft age changed? Has it always been the same? I said the reality is it's just a rich kid's game now. Like those kids used to – they used to come to our camps, mm-hmm. right, and they were fast as hell, but they were so scared when that puck – they went to Europe. But because there's so many rule changes now that now they're able to play in the game, well, it's it's – that was a skill. Like you had to show toughness and you had to earn your spot in front of the net. You had to go right. get pucks out of the corner. Right. Now it's, and which is fine, like progression and, and we have to be adaptable. And, and I understand that. And we're, and we're probably not going to go back to, to that game. But the reality is it's not a new NHL and it's, it's faster because of, you know, guys aren't scared anymore. Like, right. Yeah. You, you don't you, have you're that, not you don't telling have me that guys are guy anymore. Well, a guy's not going to dump the puck and go get the puck out of the corner with, you know, 
with Chris Simon chasing him down, right? Like, right, 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 right. You know, Mitch Mitch Marner crying on the bench because Mike Babcock was hard on him. Mike Babcock's <laughs> not a therapist or his parent. What he does is prepare his guys to win every single day, right? Right, and absolutely. And, the way, and Mike Babcock's philosophy is if you win properly, everything's good for that day, and then we come back to work the next day. If you lose and should have won, and if you lose um, and should have won, he's okay with that. If you did everything right and you worked hard, he's still going to be mad, but, but if you win – and you should have lost, he's hard on you. Like he is, he's not, he prepares you to win the Stanley cup every single day. And that's it. And, and so, you know, we, you know, like we're a little bit soft now, to be honest with you. And, and the right. game's changed, but let's be adaptable for that. Weren't you, you said that you were also in Washington, part of the um, safety guidelines for the NHL for a little bit, weren't you? Yeah. I went and spoke in Washington, um, um, in front of Congress and Senate. Yep. And so, um, it was, uh, it was actually, um, it was actually three months after I got out of college to the day I flew, I went back into Washington. Um, uh, Jeremy was my professor in college so <laughs> when I graduated. Oh, um, wait a minute. You, Jeremy was a professor. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah he was. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Taught, uh, he taught me a lot. It was, oh. it was, it was the college of just not how to win. Just yeah. not, he taught me a lot, just not how to win. Yeah. I was, was, was going to say, Dale, you might need to get a refund. <laughs> I taught you how to win. I taught you how to win. <laughs> well, he did. He did a lot of nice things for me. But, um, I got to watch all the hockey games too, man, which you was did. awesome. Turn the TV, you're like, I'm still paying him though. He's still taking, he's still taking e transfers. Um, but uh, but yeah, like, and, and and it's the awareness. Like, obviously, we're all affected by it, right? right. But but when when I was there, um, I, I got to I got to be with uh, Montador's dad and. Um, I got to be with Bugard's dad and we, uh, and those were tough stories. Like those were tough moments that we sat in front of, uh, Bloomingthal and, and, um, they told their stories and, 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 and told their stories about their sons. And, and, you know, we sat there and, and it was really vulnerable and, and difficult to listen to and, and just, you know, raw and, and you could see the sadness in them that I don't think can ever be fixed to be honest with you. Right. Um, you know, you, you're losing your sons and, and the NHL approached it like all their addicts, right? Instead of being like, hey, these guys were, you know, part of us and, and they brought so many fans and they were unbelievable teammates and, and so many good things, but they just wanted to label them and just kind of get rid of the problem and then change the rules on their own rather than being accountable for anything that happened. So Right, they didn't really want to look um, at this, the whole CTE factor. Yeah, and, and the powerful stories that their dads were telling, like, you, you can't keep it together, I don't care who you are, you know, I was just bawling like a baby listening to it, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Because, you know, these are these are someone's sons, right? And, and sure. you know, Bugard shot in his dad's arm a couple of days before and just cried and couldn't control himself. And, you know, Montador had, after Montador passed away, I think he had his first son three days after he passed away. And, you know, mm-hmm. these are, this is hard stuff. This is, this is real stuff. And right. so when we go in front of people and we talk about our experiences – we live in their honor too. And we keep fighting for them. And, 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 you know, even for the guys who obviously uh, were in the past, but, but the guys in the future that don't know that they're heading, some of them are going to head that way. Right. And so, mm-hmm. um, and the reality is a lot of guys didn't jump on board for, you know, a lot of different reasons and that's, and that's up to them. But I just think like, we're not against the NHL, like everything we have and, and our passion was to play in the NHL. We're, we're for the NHL. 
we just think some of these rules have to change and, and take care of some of these guys that are really, really struggling. Right. So right. I think it's important that we have a voice and, and until we talk about these things and until we continue to march forward, will we ever get close to, to, you know, fixing it on both sides? You know, that's a very interesting point now. And, you know, I mean, with, with hockey, it's, it's always going to be a contact sport. Everybody, you know, can, I think we can all agree on that, but I kind of wonder what your opinion in as far as post careers, for the, for, should the league be doing more for these guys as far as setting up uh, some kind of a program where they can get regular check-ins to say, okay, here's where you were last time, you know, so that you can monitor the progress and make sure, try to catch it early, in other words, if, you know, there's problems with CTE, instead of waiting until it manifests itself, you know, obviously technology evolves all the time and there's, you know, knowledge grows. And I that's what I, I kind of wonder is, you know, I mean, that's great that we're, we're doing everything we can to try to take away, um, you know, headshots and head injuries in the game. But seeing as that it is a contact sport, my, I mean, of course, I, I didn't play at the NHL level, of course, but I think post-career is where they really kind of could be uh, stepping up a little bit more. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, and I'll get back. That's why the, that's why the mind's so powerful, uh, Jared actually thinks he's still in the NHL, but anyway. Um, <laughs> but the, the, that's well, you're, my you're my agent, thing. so I mean, they're, they're, they're good with that. So yeah, I love you. So that's why he wanted his own suite last time we played. All right, I get it. Thanks for taking care of me. Um, so, but 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 all all joking aside is is the fact like you know this this is something where you know we can all. We can all do our part, right? And um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's a very challenging um, it's a very challenging thing, right? Because, like you said, it, it is a contact sport, and right. so just like just like NASCAR, we don't they don't want wrecks. There's going to be wrecks, and and, and there's right. there's going to always be so much there's going to be so much injury. Um, if you look at the European leagues, I don't, I don't, I don't have the numbers, but I don't think they're they can be. I, I, I know Europe doesn't have as many, right? Yeah, they're not as physical um, at all. Like even like you can see, yeah, and, and right. change. You can see the guys that come over from Europe. Their 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 game speed is completely. They're gun shy because they know once they get in the NHL rank, somebody's going to bang them, and they're not well, yeah. used to. Well, Capocacco is a prime example of that. Yeah, and and their and their bigger ice surfaces as well. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's like like I don't know. It's I don't think we're ever going to be free of that, but we just have to you know play hard and be respectful of everyone too. Right. Sure. Um, and that, and even that's hard because our job is to win that cup, right? At, at right. any cost. And, and you got to remember when we're playing. And we have that, like, you know, for guys like me who have only a couple shifts, you know, in some of those tight games or, or you know, early on and you and you get matched or, or you get out with, you know, some pretty high-end guys and you have a chance to finish your checks hard on them, you're going to, you know, try to do as much as you can to make a huge impact, right? Right. Because that might be your only chance or that might, you know, continue your contract or that might, you know, give you, you know, something down the road. And, and right. so very hard to pull the reins back on anyone. Sure. Right. Sure. Absolutely. So I, we said earlier that you were drafted in the fifth round uh, at ni- the 1995 draft. Were you at the draft? I was. Were I you? was at the draft. 
Um, cause it, it got moved from, uh, it got moved. I think it was in Hartford at the time when the whalers left, I believe. Uh-huh. And it, it ended up being in Edmonton. And so my whole family got to experience it. So, um, and, and, um, I was actually, I went in a year early. I should have waited. Um, cause I would have probably, I would have probably went 116th or 115th instead of 116th. <laughs> but, um, in the seventh, in the seventh round, right? Yeah. Well, I was, it's well, yeah, bro, I probably would have dropped, but I, w- I was rated in hockey news in the, in the third round. So I always hold on to that. But then, uh, we forgot to add the Europeans in the end. So <laughs> I was like, holy man. But, um, and you know, it, it was, it was an, it was, it was an amazing experience because um, even being drafted by the Rangers, my dad actually went to four Ranger camps back when the original six was still there. So I got black and white pictures of him um, in New York when, when he went that. to camp. So, That's cool. Yeah. And John, John Muckler actually played against him. So they know each other um, back in the old IHL. And, and uh, so there's just so many connections in hockey throughout. And uh, so, so to, to, to actually um, be drafted by New York um, was amazing. I, I was ready to retire right then. <laughs> I mean, I'm done. I'm done. That's close enough. <laughs> It's like so playing, it's so like playing you, Jeopardy and only answering the two hundred dollar questions, right? <laughs> oh yeah. So wait, now when you were drafted, who was uh, who? Who you? Who were you on the ice with? That, um, made, you look, that well, made you look bad, really. Well, I mean the whole list, right? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not joking. We like when I went to camp, I, I was seventeen, and and. I come from, you know, basically a small town and, and li- li- lived in Southeast Calgary and which is a pretty small city. And, and we go into New York and then our, 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 I think our first eight years were in Burlington, Vermont. So like now I'm 17 and I'm like literally on the ice with like, there was like Wayne was there. Right. And, and um, like LaFontaine, I think Wayne came a little bit after, but LaFontaine was there and um, you know, Mark and, and, like all these, like it yeah. was, it was just too much. It was too overwhelming. And, and I think we only had like four or five D per team. And I'm like, I like, I like playing like 70, 80, you know, so, yeah, <laughs> it's exhausting. And so you're trying to keep up to these guys and it's just, it, it, it was terrible. Right. And Vermont's Vermont's a big ice and it's, it's, it's in the end of summer and it's soft. And so it, it was a struggle, right? Like I, it, I, it was not enjoyable one bit. Um, and it was just too overwhelming. It was just like, it was too much. And, and then you just kind of got, uh, you kind of got to see how good these guys are and, and, and how smart they played. And, right. and then you're just like, and I honestly going through your head, you're like, you're never going to get there. Like, it's just like, it's impossible because you can't believe how good they are. It's just, it's shocking. Like right. people don't right. get it. Right. And I, I remember when, uh, in one of the classes that I had Jim, I, uh, I was, I told you I was going to head out to Madison square garden and watch the Ranger game. And I remember we were there playing Detroit and I remember, uh, Pavel Datsuk was, was there. Yeah. And, uh, do you remember what you told me? You told me you're like, Listen, yeah, yeah. Get, so get to the ring. So remember early I was like, and watch so remember him. I was like, you know, yeah. So remember I was like, like get there early and watch him and warm up. And I, and so I always tell people, I'm like, do you know why Pavel Datsuk plays in the NHL? And so people are like, you know, they, they'll say there, and I'm like, cause there's no other league for him to play in. Like that's like, that's how good that guy is. And, yeah. and his skill, his skill just to watch him. Like I would go literally and warm up and just sit on the bench and watch his hands. Cause it was like, Oh, like it was like the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Yeah. 
And Chris, Christian Asalius was like that too, but he was scared. Like once the puck dropped, he uh, he didn't he didn't like the rough going. But he was such a talented, skilled guy that it, to watch those guys in warm up is just like um, really enjoyable to me to see them um, be able to stick out. I'm more of like a dump and chase guy. Yeah, yeah. The dump, I know dump, it's hard to believe. Dump, yeah. Dump <laughs> yeah. And chase. Dump yeah, and off chase the glass. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I could stick cattle here. I could just chip it off the glass. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. I mean, if you ever took a shot, I mean, if you took a shot, did it go over the goalie's head? Well, you know, you know, like these are all learning lessons too, right? And and so Brian Leach is a buddy of mine, and, and he was just he was so awesome to me, and, and he taught me so much. He said so. He always be like, you 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 can stay in this game. We have to be smart on things. He's like the way you play and the way a lot of us play is going to be different. So he said. Whenever you, he's like, I do this too. Whenever I shoot, I shoot for rebounds. He's like, yeah, if you score, it's great. But from far out, we have so many good guys. He's like, you got to hit the net. If you don't have a shot, you can never get your shot blocked. So just put it back down. Unless you're sure and you know it's going to get through, just put it back down and let our guys go for it. So so I, I always would just shoot low and, and you know, get it in front and, and everything's super quick because right. you can't get your shot. Like certain guys can't get their shot blocked and you can't get, you know, you can't. You work that hard to get in that end. You always have to be smart and just positional play and, and quick shifts. And we got to get our big money guys out there. And you got to know your role in a team. It's just like, it's like, hey, listen, I, I go out there, do my job. And, and you know, there's guys that are going to play in front of you regardless. And, and you know, you, you take care of them. And it's it's a big family. But it's you give up your selfishness to, to play at a, at a league like that, right? And especially, right. you know, we have to be grateful to, to be able to play that. You know, you go down to the minors and you're playing a lot more and you get, you know, more situations, your first line penalty kill all the time. And, you know, I, I always say I was second line power play. That was just because there was like five seconds left on the clock. And, you, know, not, you know how that works. We're, we're good. We're good. At, we're good at changing the outcome. Right. So, yeah. um, and, and my first, my first NHL game, I always use this. So, my first NHL game was the last game in the garden. It was the last game of the year against Philadelphia. And it was my first game. So I always, I came back home and told everyone I finished the season with the Rangers. So it's just how you <laughs> Well, actually, you know, in that, <laughs> that's awesome. you know, in that first game, you did get into a, a fight with uh, Keith Primo. So take us through how that happened. Yeah. Well, er early in that game, um, I tried to fight Bruby and, uh, he sucked me in and, and I ended up getting two minutes. So, and I got him back for that. I, I did the same thing to him later on in the game. So, so, you know, you, you just want to like that year, that year, I, I think I had 36 fights in the minors and, and so, you know, you want to go make your mark and, and, you know, not, not get penalized, but, but, you know, so you, you're playing hard. And so I lined up with, um, with uh, who do, I, I lined up with one of their forwards, um, Gagne maybe was it Gagne? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I lined up with him, and so I cross-checked him, but it kind of came up, and and I ended up the ref put his hand up for two minutes, and I'm just like, oh, you got to be kidding me! This is nightmare <laughs> shit. And Keith came at me like he, he can't. So so we got at it, and we got wrapped up. I couldn't get out on him, but but. Um, you know, that poor guy, it's like, you think the last game of the year before they started playoffs, he wanted to get in a fight, you know? And, and so you look back at those things and, you know, it was awesome. But then in a way, as you get older, you're like, I should have just kept my stick down and not, you got to be smart with those guys too. Like they, they were continuing on and you can play hard without, you know, being a clown either. Right. So right. that's one of those moments. It was great, but I wish I could have taken it back. 
Who uh, who who did you enjoy fighting the most, or the least? Oh man, you you know, like you get those questions right, and and uh, I, I honestly, I always say like this: every guy is just dangerous, right? And and every guy's a, a super competitor, and um, I, I I don't know, like like. I think like I got some funny stories, but um, I got I got a couple of really good stories. Like uh, we're playing uh, we're playing in the Garden against Minnesota. Matt Johnson was playing in Minnesota at the time, so I'm in the corner with him, and then I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go this guy. So I'm like I'm like I get I, I two hand him, and then I give him a huge cross check, and then he turns around and and so he won't fight, and now I'm feeling like. <laughs> my head just I'm like, oh, Matt. I'm like, he doesn't even want he know he knows who I am. Like, you know, like you go through these things. Yeah. And so I go back to the bench and I'm sitting on the bench and then I'm just I'm waiting for Max Shift and I'm and the fan the fans were going like the fans were getting rowdy, right? Because you know, here I am. Yeah, they're feeling it. Yeah, they're feeling I'm going out there uh, you know, Matt Johnson and and you know the super tough guy and he's a monster and I'm, and I'm feeling now I'm feeling really cocky. And then I'm sitting there and Simon looks down the bench. He's like, Hey, and I'm like, I look at him and he's like, he's got a cast on his hand. His hand's broken. Oh my God. <laughs> From that point on, I'm like, oh, tripping off because I knew we had to play him in like a month and he was going to be healthy. And now I'm just like, I'm like, Oh my God. Now I'm looking at the, now I'm looking at who we play before him so I can get suspended because this guy's gonna kill me. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. It was terrible. And then he actually challenged me, and I and I'll be honest, I shit the bed. I didn't want to fight him because he was ready. He, I wanted to jump him, and I couldn't. even wanted to square off you to beat the piss out of me. Right? It was terrible. And Paul, Paul Laus is another guy. Paul Laus out of Florida, like, you know, super hard puncher. And, and he, um, he challenged me. And, and um, the problem with that is I was, we were in Florida and I was, I was hung to the tits. Right. And I was just like, he would have just ate me alive. I was not feeling it. It was lucky I was even out there. So, um, I wish I would have stopped, you know, like I've been, I've been actually, I've been in recovery now. I've been sober for almost six, six years in September. So I just wish I would have had that when I was playing, you know what I mean? Like it, it, I would approach right. everything so differently. Right. Um, but I didn't. And I wasn't fighting Paul Louse cause I would have still probably been in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> he just looked mean. Like, I'm like, Oh my God, this guy's angry. I'm like, I didn't even do anything. <laughs> so, I mean, that's another, it's a really interesting point too. So how does that work? Is, do you know, basically going into a game, who you're going to square up with, I guess is, or is it just kind of happen? You know what I mean? Well, I think, I think we got to I think for us, like for me, it's like, I always read the game and, and um, because you don't, you have to kind of determine when you're going to pick your fights mm -hmm. and, and you can't just take every fight and you know, you want to, you always want to like lots of times if I knew I was going to go after a guy or I'd, I'd say, tell a guy like he needs to quit running around what I would do is like when I knew he was going out there, I would tell say one of the D men, I'm like halfway through your shift change if you can, because I wanted to get him tired. So 
So when he's at the end of the shift, that's when I wanted to go after a guy. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> and if I'm at the end of my shift, don't ever fight, right? And then if there's a new guy and no one knew him, we'd watch. And, and this is like, this is a rule of thumb. Like I'd watch guys in warm up and you kind of watch how he shoots. And then you always wait till he drinks the water because left-handed fighters drink with their left hand. So, hmm. and right-handed drink. Right so, right. so we just, we, we analyze guys and we're always talking and, and you kind of just play it out. And, and, you know, we have buddies on teams and sometimes we call around and say, Hey, like, you know, <laughs> I, you know, cause some guys are clowns, right? They, like, you know, guys have mortgages and, and, you know, families and, and we kind of take care of, take care of each other right. in a way too. Right. Like it's, right. it's a hard job. Sure. Right. And those are you the kind of analytics I like right there. there. Yeah. You know and, what I mean? So which Andy's yeah. drinking his water like, bottle with, that's great. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, we, there, there's always a plan. There's always a plan to the madness. And lots of times people would like what even my coaches would be like, Oh, you got to control yourself. And, and, you know, you're undisciplined and they tell me this and they, but they didn't realize it's like, we were playing three teams in a row that I jumped like two guys on each team. I needed to be suspended or I was going to die. <laughs> but they didn't know that. Right. So it, it was all a plan. It wasn't like, Hey, you're out of control. It's like, I'm saving my life. Here. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's so, big guys, right? Like I'm six two, and I played at about anywhere from two twenty eight, two thirty five. That's small. That's small for the guys I was fighting, right? And and so when you had three guys that were like you know thirty pounds heavier that hate you, it's time to <laughs> you know pull the pin, run run away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that's what I always said. I, I was like, I could get to the bench really fast, and I always worked on grip strength because I just held on for dear life. <laughs> Strongest forearms in the league. I ate spinach. <laughs> so when you guys would go out on the road, what were your favorite cities to play in? Oh, I, I always liked, obviously, coming out west as family. Um but but we, we New York's lucky. Like like we were always lucky. The fact like every place we would go in, we had you know half the you know half the fans. Like there was such a big fan base, and we had so many big name guys that we just always kind of you know had a pretty good cheering section wherever we went. But but honestly, guys, like there's just no place like New York. Like we just I love that city. I love the people there, and and I love playing at home. So. Um, not that it was not that other cities aren't awesome. I, I, I had fun wherever I went, but honestly, there's no place like playing uh, in Madison Square Garden for sure. Very cool, very cool. I mean, you did you played with some real big names. Like, obviously, you played with Messi and Leach. Uh, I think you yeah. also played with uh, Graves, uh, Lindros. Yeah, Gravy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, Burre and yeah, Lindros and yeah. Leachy mm-hmm. and Malakov, Mironov, like just like unbelievable, uh, unbelievable players and and great humans. So. Um, and then, and then my second agents were Paul and Doug Messier at the end of my career. Um, and you know, just, I grew up watching these guys in, in Alberta. Right. So, right. um, just, to, just so grateful to, to be on the ice with them and, and be around them. They're, they're excellent people. That's awesome. That is really awesome. Keith, you've been a little quiet over there. You got Got any questions or. So, hi, Dale. Actually, yeah. So, an interesting story. Yesterday, I was at a family birthday party, and a close friend of the family is a pro golfer, a local. And he was sharing a story where there's another local uh, former NHL player in our area who lives locally now, retired. And he was giving him lessons, and he was telling me, like, a lot of what they talked about. And, Dale, it's a lot of what you said. Like, 
He would go out minimal shifts, two, three, maybe four a game, mainly to make an impression, uh, you know, playing for like his life for a contract. But he made a comment that I thought was really interesting that I still can't understand. He said the superstars, like you're referring to, Dale, he goes, you can look at them, and when they're sitting next to you on the bench in an NHL game, they're thinking two plays ahead of schedule, like two plays down the road, they're already mentally thinking out how it's going to happen in their minds. Do you think that's true? Like, I was having a hard time picturing that. No. Uh, well, I don't know if it's true. I don't – I can't see that because most of them I know are still trying to color between the lines. Like, no one's leaving here to work for Nassau. And we're not – they're not, like, you know, maybe tic-tac-toe at best, but there's not even – checkers going on let alone chess right <laughs> so um the game the game if you look at the for me if i look at the game i could see i can see how you know my power play how you you can watch the power play and see how it's working and maybe you can say okay let's try this because they're say doing an overload and so say so let's roll off into the umbrella and you know one timers back door right so i can see how you can break that down but the game the game is just such a game where it's like um really we can have a system, but you have to be adaptable to that system because it's so fast and because it's always it's such an unstable, unstable environment that you have to read and react as fast as you can. So to really be thinking ahead of time, I, I don't see that, but, you know, maybe that's why I dumped the puck, right? But I think Keith <laughs> must, must have been talking to Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, probably. Well, that, but he played by himself, right? Yeah. Like, so I, I have a I have a funny story about him. It's like uh, he was coaching in Phoenix, um, and Jamie Lundmark, which obviously is a Ranger, and went to Phoenix. He's uh, Jamie would tell me stuff. He's like, I, I just don't like. Uh, Wayne would come down and ask him stuff like, "Why weren't you in this position, or why weren't you behind the net here?" And and he's like, because if I was back there, I'd be in the stands. Like Wayne Gretzky can stand back there and everyone got the puck for Wayne and you didn't really have to be accountable defensively because we, they make up for you. you right? right. But Jamie Lundmark's like, I, I can't do that. And so, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? It's pretty tough to, to coach like that. Right. 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 <laughs> you know, that's, that's imagine true. If I went like, imagine if I skated down on a power play, just jumped the bench and went and stood behind the net on the offense. Like, <laughs> I think on the bus to Hartford, you know? I'd, I'd honestly probably be throwing things at my TV going, what the hell are you doing? Well, if get I could go get back, ice, I would do things like this ice. because I would just get a YouTube channel, like funny stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> it would be, like be a short series. <laughs> Only if we could go back. That's oh, right. That's right. Oh, that's great. That is great. Well, Dale, this has been a lot of fun. This this really has. And uh, I, I can't begin to tell you how much we appreciate you coming on. Um, have you got anything you got going on right now? or? Um, well, I mean, that's, okay. that's an open-ended, que- that's an open-ended well, I mean, question. Okay. I meant like uh, <laughs> hockey-wise. Are you into hockey at all still? or Are you a, are you a cop? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I yeah, I walked into that. Yeah, when I finished playing, um, I coached uh, junior hockey. I've coached uh, uh, in the BCHL, which is Tier 2, which sends guys to college hockey. Um, and then I have three boys that play hockey, and I was, uh, I was, um, you know, involved with them, coaching them. And, and 
you know, just, just really like fundamental stuff. Like we, we got to get back to that fundamental stuff of just like skill work and, and, you know, hockey, hockey changed the fact people wanted to start teaching kids systems and stuff. And that's all great. But unless we have the fundamentals as a, as a really strong base, then, then can we get into those systems? Cause if you can't get there, you can't get there. If you can't make, you know, a five foot pass to a 20 foot pass, there's no reason to get into systems yet. Right. And, and that's where I think compared to like systems like the U S program and the, and the Russian program or, 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 and, and, you know, obviously Finland and Sweden are, are advancing faster than Canada is because um, you guys really work on that stuff and, and, and you work on your short game so much. And, and I think we're a little bit behind in Canada. And, and I think like, I also look at, I, I also look at hockey um, and I, and I've kind of been, you know, obviously, um, my voice doesn't really connect with Hockey Canada so much because, um, you know, I go to college all the time. Hey, Jer. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. people <laughs> overlook some of the stuff that happens, but I look at it like all our rinks are paid for in Canada. It's Canada's national game. If you want the best product, kids in Canada shouldn't have to pay ho- pay for hockey, and kids shouldn't have to – you shouldn't have to be wealthy for them to play this game. It's just like – do you imagine if, like, the NFL, you know, Major League Baseball or soccer or, you know, the NBA, only rich kids could play? It's yeah. like it's not our best talent pool. Like, in hockey, if we want our best talent pool to be playing for Canada hockey, then every kid should have the opportunity to play hockey, and it's not happening. And that's why there's there's been such a change in the international game. Yeah. It's interesting. I, 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 Very I, uh, interesting. I can see that. I can see the, the rich kid. Um, and, 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 and over and, you know, even here in, in my, my well, son's age, you know, and it's, it's yeah, well, and, it's, and, and in the U.S., it. though, it still works because the population is so big that the amount of the amount of talented hockey players coming out of the U.S. is out, outstanding right now. Right. Like, yeah. I, I think U.S. hockey is just like I, I'm not like so I'm I was born in Indiana and my my dad's Canadian. So I have dual citizenship. So I'm I'm like the biggest turncoat on sports. So. In hockey, I always vote for the U.S. just because I know they're going to beat them. Like, and and I love to see the Canadians like pout and you know their their <laughs> bottom lip because they think they should win all the time. And and then I always ask the Canadians, I'm like, "What's your NFL team again?" I forget. Like, <laughs> so you really enjoyed this year's NBA World Juniors. Team. There's one NBA team, one and Major League Baseball team. So um, you know, it's easy. It's easy to jump on your side, guys. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That is awesome. Well, Dale, we uh, we're, we're, won't hold you up too much longer here. I'm sure you got other things to get done, but uh, like I said, we just we really appreciate you coming on, uh, taking the time to talk to us. Oh, oh I, I appreciate it so much, and I think we need to do this again. And and we have so much more to get into because I got many layers of stuff oh, yeah. I want to uh, unpack Absolutely. with you guys. Absolutely, oh, yeah. you can. You are I welcome can, back anytime. I can always, you know, start to unpack for you, Dale, if you really want me to, or go through my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've done that enough. <laughs> uh, well, we'll let you two hash that out. How's that? Called rigorous honesty. Rigorous honesty. <laughs> well, they do say that honesty is the best policy. So let's. Uh... <laughs> but no, seriously, thanks, Dale. And uh, like I said, absolutely, we'll have you back on anytime you want to come on. Just Thank let us know. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, Thank you Dale. so much, and, and truly appreciate it. And uh, yeah, uh, Dr. Keith, enjoy those Doritos. They're they're excellent. Multi-grain, so clearly you're healthy. And um, <laughs> keep up the good work, guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank hey, you, Dale. Dale. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Dale. All right, Dale. Take care. Take care. All right. We'll see you. That was Dale Perrington. That was awesome. Jerry, I did not know you were his professor. 
Um, yeah, well, it's it's. Uh, think about where I used to work. You held out on me. <laughs> well, think about where I used yeah, to work. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. So you do, you do get that. Okay. I well, like, I picked up on it later professor. on. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, oh. I was. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, that's that's how him and I met. Okay. He, uh, he had a short little stint uh, with the county correctional facility. And, uh, you know, everybody makes mistakes. That's right. Um, I mean, like, like for what he was in for, um, I mean, it, he was even told by his attorney that uh, if it happened in Canada, that um, it would have just been a slap on the wrist. Right. Um, but uh, he, he kind of got in trouble with the wrong, wrong name down here, and the name kind of bit him. And, you know, I mean, hey – as bad as it was for the situation that he was in, I made a great friend out of it. So absolutely, um, great guy, absolutely and I mean, great guy. Like I said, I we haven't lost contact since um, since his release, and you know, obviously, he's doing well. Um, he's doing yes, real he well. Is. So very good. That is awesome. So what we're going to do is we're going to end this segment because we need to go to commercial break. I can see Dave getting nervous over there. So <laughs> we're going to do as always. Dad's favorite, breakaway trivia. (laughs) (laughs) And the question this week is, in what year was the first nationally televised hockey game shown in the United States? The answer when we come back. Visit My Little Falls and stay connected with the latest news information and events in the city. Our mission is to generate interest in the community and connect residents in a more meaningful way by facilitating deeper conversations about how these stories will shape the future of Little Falls, New York. Join thousands of weekly visitors who stay up to date with feature stories, interviews, videos, and our events calendar. It's about timely local news for the community, keeping citizens informed about important issues, telling stories about the people who live and work here, and giving locally owned businesses the opportunity to reach a very targeted audience of local residents and tourists alike. It's a whole new form of media-rich content developed specifically for today's mobile lifestyle and listeners. You can download our iOS app in the iTunes store or sign up for our weekly newsletter. Stop by today at mylittlefalls.com. You'll be glad you did. And we're back with segment two of Marty's Illegal Stick. Now, I was watching phones here in the studio during the commercial break, and I didn't see anybody reaching for them, so that's a good sign. So I'm going to give you guys a question to breakaway trivia one more time, and then I'm going to go around looking for answers. The question is, in what year was the first nationally televised hockey game shown in the United States? Dad, since I know this is your favorite, I'm going to go to you first. Just throw a year out there. I'm going to go 0 for 23 again. But, you know, <laughs> I was five years old when we got our first TV. And that was 1953. And all I ever saw, I only saw two, two stations. Uh, I'm going to go with 1956. 1956. All right, Dave? 51. 51. All right, I Keith. had my mic off, 51. All right. 1951. I don't know what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> We're loving the 50s today. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, there was we electricity go. back then, right, Dad? Yeah. <laughs> so well, we're good. Static electricity anyway. Yeah, right? yeah. We did a lot of rubbing back then. <laughs> Whoa, Kevin. Oh. 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 oh, well, before the show gets too much further off the tracks, Keith, do you have a guess? Listen, after that comment, I'm just trying to stay neutral here. Um, let me think this out. What do we got? 51? Did I? Was there a 53 or was it 56? Nope, 56. 56. Um, 50, 51, I'd say 50, 52, 53, 53, 53. So you're going with 1953. Okay. 
Jeremy. Uh, it's going to be, be way before my time. Um, I'll go with 1950. I'll just go 1950. with the TV. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You didn't have a TV in 1950. <laughs> well, we don't have a winner this week. It was 1966. At the Ooh, first nationally televised game in the, United, the in the United States. <laughs> yeah, you, you get a quarter point. Yeah. So, what? <laughs> no, it was seriously. If it's the United States, it wasn't until 1966 that there was a nationally televised hockey game. It was uh, oh. April 10th, 1966 to be exact. Wow. That's crazy. Wow. Game two of the Stanley Cup semifinals That's from the Madhouse on Madison in Chicago. Uh, Detroit thumped them pretty good, 7 to nothing. But, uh, so, so, wait a minute. So, does that mean if you would have asked the first game anywhere, it probably would have been in the 50s? It would have been Canada, which I think was 1953. Oh, that but, been oh. but I said United States. <laughs> I, know. I knew the key word in that one was going to be United States. Yeah. I, was, I was like, uh. <laughs> Jeez. My, my, hey, my so, first uh, TV was about the size of this thing I'm talking into here. <laughs> We're not talking an oscilloscope. Is We're that, talking a TV. Is that why you can't see anything nowadays? Is well, that? no. It would have had a great big box and a little screen. That's all it was doing. Well, yeah, those old TVs, are, yeah, it was about a two-inch screen, and they weighed about five ton, didn't they? Well, yeah. But I'll say a six-inch screen wasn't two-inch. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's your story, Todd. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so uh, you, son. <laughs> so I want to, uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to throw a little shout out to a few of the UC alumni that uh, have made the splash of coaching Absolutely. in the area this year or uh, for next for next season for the Utica Junior Comets. Um, a few of them, um, like Adam Decker and Nick Terry, and they're staying with Utica College, but they're also jumping on board with Utica College or Utica Comets organization in the junior level for goalie coaching so they'll be over there coaching the young the youngsters up um everywhere from might level all the way up to the elite level excellent um louis educati has become he was named the ncdc head coach for the utica comets and sean lynch he just finished his pro career for i believe the comets the um oh what what did he play Played in the ECHL. Um, he had to retire. So he retired, and uh, I know he came back to coach out in Syracuse. He's a Syracuse originally, mm-hmm. from Syracuse originally. Now he's he was just named the Comets' premier head coach. Wow. So, nice. um, a few of the Utica College boys are coming coming in strong. All right. Helping out the Comets organization. Utica College kids staying home. Very nice. That's good. That's real good. Very nice. Congratulations to all involved. That's great. Okay, so we're going to kick off Hockey Hot. Well, actually, Jeremy just kicked it off for us, so I don't even have to say it. <laughs> but next on Hot Takes, we want to wish a happy birthday to Vladislav Tretiak, the legendary Hall of Fame goaltender turned 69 on Sunday, April 25th. Uh, if you guys recall, Tretiak was just a legendary Soviet goalie. He was pretty much the best goalie in the world. Say uh, the 80s. During the 70s and mm-hmm. into the 80s. Yeah. Um, you know what's interesting is that he was actually drafted by the Montreal Canadiens. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. It was uh, 1984 he was drafted. And because of the way everything was set up at the time, obviously Soviet players couldn't come over. And that's actually what led to him retiring from Soviet hockey because he was only 32. And he wanted so bad to come over to Montreal, and they wouldn't let him go. So he basically just said, well, that's it. I'm done. I'm not playing anymore. And uh, you know what's really funny? You think about that for a second. Now let's say that the Soviet Union did let him come over, and he played for Montreal. 
what would have become Patrick of Patrick Watt? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, it's, yeah. it's so weird how that works out. Wow. Because Trechiak himself said that when he got drafted, he had like five good years left. So that would have taken him past 86 when Watt burst onto the scene by leading the, the Habs to the cup. And obviously into 89 when he, he was the runner up, but still. They, wouldn't you think they would have stuck with Watt because he was 10 years younger? I don't know, though, but you got because you got to remember back then, Wall with was name, an unproven rookie. Like him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, with a name like Trejiak, you're going to want to, you'll go with the hot hand, I think. I would, you would think, but I mean, that's, that's just one of those what could have been things, you know? Yeah, yeah. You just don't know. So interesting. You know, you know that could have had an effect on last week or two weeks ago in our contest. Would Edmonton have been the team that they were if, if mm. Trejiak would have went to Montreal? Well, right. they probably wouldn't have played him until the Stanley Cup final. Mm. Right. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. That really I mean, could that have, could have changed the shape of right. yeah, one, everything. One or two less cups for them. It, you're talking a different reality here. Yeah. Right. And maybe a Montreal team would have won that Marty Madness contest after all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> 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 you have so, any idea what he did after retirement when we were just talking about post-careers? That'd be interesting. Trechiak basically, <laughs> um, you know, for as much as, you know, like they, they always say that the Soviet Union was very locked down and, and, and all that, Trechiak was like a celebrity big time over there. So he was able to live a better life than most. And yeah. now he's, uh, I think he's involved with the Soviet, uh, the national hockey team over there. So right. him and uh, I know uh, Slava Fatisov is actually running the, the Russian ice hockey yes. program. So I think they're all working together on that. So nice. Interesting times. Interesting. But anyways, next hot take. The new NHL TV deal for the United States is now complete and NBC is not a part of it. Turner Sports won the seven-year B package worth $225 million per season, which gives them the Winter Classic for all seven years and the Stanley Cup Final for three seasons. Uh, the games will be on TNT and TBS. Did you guys see that awkward rollout they had on uh, the NBA on TNT the other night? No. no. So they were talking about it, right? And they put a graphic up with Alex Ovechkin, and they put Andrew Ference, who was the former Oiler captain, up on the graphic, thinking oh. it was supposed to be like Connor McDavid. <laughs> yeah, they put a guy in there who retired uh, already. They should stick with basketball and baseball. Yeah. <laughs> well, then, then they had Shaq about it. Shaq's like the California Kings and all that. It's like, oh, boy, you guys are off to a great start here. <laughs> uh, this is going to be a nightmare. But I do think it's going to be good for the NHL to have the game on as many channels and different platforms as possible. So, But, now, but the thing is, now is TBS and TNT, that's not basic cable. Still. NBC yeah. is basic cable. Mm. So, I mean, anybody, ev- anywhere, if right. you had just a regular, you get bunny ears for an antenna, but don't you forget, can watch a hockey game. Don't forget, ESPN has also got ABC. Has also picked that. Yeah, right. that's right. So, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And with NBCSN going bye-bye by the end of the year, you know, it was going to be pretty much pointless to stick with NBC anyhow, you know? Right. Right. But, and Is that, and is the, that deal going to have any effect on the cap? It will eventually. It will because they're. I think they more than doubled their money they're making off the current deal. Yeah. So within a couple of years, you're going to see that cap start really going up. Mm. So, and it's going to put a lot of money in the owners' pockets, which I'm sure makes them very happy. Yeah. So. <laughs> 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 All about the money. That's right. Always. That's right. 
Oh, so the uh, the NHL playoff races are starting to shape up with the top three teams in each division looking to be pretty much locks to get in, while the fourth spot in each division is still up for grabs. Now, here's a question for you guys. Should the NHL hang on to this playoff format going into next season with the top four teams in each division making it instead of doing the eight top eight from the conference? Yes. I like it the way it is right there. I, I, I really do. I'm not going to lie. I kind of like it, too. I, I do. I love that whole. Obviously, it's not going to be just divisional play next year. But well, I, that's going to that's that's the that's the kicker on it is that it's right now it's just divisional play. So, are you going to look at it with more games, and are you going to have the same amount of games within the division that matter, or yeah. is it just going to be like it is overall points here and points there and record? You know, I I don't know. It's good. That's a good question. Yeah, I don't I mean, know how I would like to see it. Yeah, because, I mean, they always say, well, it, it's you know better competition when it's the top eight in the conference, but still it's one seed versus eight seed, which yeah. is even more potential for a blowout, two versus well, seven. And also <laughs> – I mean, but, but Scotty, you got to understand, I mean, hockey's a very finicky thing. You may be the one seed, but you may go cold, and the eight seed may be the eight seed, and yeah. they may go high. Right, but I that mean, could also happen you to never a know. division winner against the four seed out of the division too. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, I you know, it's just I, I mean, you're talking about. I'm, I'm kind of looking at the Rangers right now are are close. They're very very close right now. Right. And you know, obviously, this series with the Islanders is huge. Oh yeah. Oh you absolutely. Know, if they take care of business with the Islanders. Um, it pretty much it it gets them into the fourth spot with a little bit of help from Boston. Well, obviously. that's a Boston if we've already. Yeah. And if, and and if they, we're they only had been. we're only six points, I believe, away from the Islanders right now. Right. I yeah, think. the the Islanders have gone so, cold. So I mean, if we take off, we take off, we take those two games. There's our six points, right? So we've tied now with the Islanders. If Boston, well, if Boston huh, yeah, loses, yeah, even yeah. if Boston loses or wins, we're already tied with the Islanders. So we're we're tied for fourth. If you win out, if we win out, right? Yeah. So I mean, it's just I I guess maybe I would like it to keep the playoff yeah, format the same way. I, I would. Because without that, absolutely. Right. Because without that format, you don't have this, you know, sprint to the end. You, that's right. You start, you, when you start the season, you know you've got to be in that top four, period. Right. Right. And especially now, because, I mean, there's going to be eight teams in each division starting next year. So it's not like it yeah. was back in the 80s when they did this, and there was five teams in each division, so like one team didn't make it. Right. So, oh, what do you think, Keith? Well, how many more games are left in the season? I was just looking up. About 10, 10 for each team, yeah. Uh, I'm trying not to <laughs> since my team went cold. But, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the point of coming on is to be happy and joyful, and for some reason I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> You're angry. <laughs> Take another Tostito. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You know, being on this show makes my day at work happiness. <laughs> we're here for you, Keith. We're here yeah, for you. Thanks. Um, you were all happy a couple of weeks ago when the Islanders were winning. Well, listen, listen, wise guys. They're getting cold. There's such a thing as being cold at the right time. But better yeah, now. They're just late. saving it. They're saving it, right? Yeah, but they're yeah. saving it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? He's got a good point because all of a sudden now the Rangers are getting hot. And it seems that every single season the Rangers get hot and then they make the playoffs, but then they don't do anything after that. They burn, hey, themselves, hey, out. Hey, they, hey. They burn themselves out. Exactly. <laughs> right. They burn themselves out. 
And I, right. I think it's the stress level of trying to get into that spot or into that playoff. And then it's like, all right, we're here. We've made it. Well, no, you didn't make it. You got to keep going. You got to mm-hmm. keep winning. And you got to get to that Stanley Cup final and win the cup. I, I think, got faith I mean, yes. in them. I got faith they're in them. A young, they're a young team, yes. I mean, I won't be disappointed if they make it or if they don't make it. I mean, they're young. If they place right. fifth right, right now and they place right. fifth as the, the team that they have, that's an accomplishment for the season, for the season one, for the season that they've had, yes. two, for the team that they have, how young they are. And look at what the future holds. I mean, they, there's no way that you can honestly put them in a fifth, sixth, seventh spot next season. Oh, they said the same thing about Philly this year, though. Yeah. Most likely they won't be there, but, I mean, you can't say for sure but because still, Philadelphia it's a, is one of the really surprised me this season year. this year, Scott, and you can't. No, but you what know. I'm saying is that's – and that's exactly the point. Yeah. You know, I, I would think yeah. they'll be in the playoffs next year, speaking of the Rangers. But all I'm saying is, is that Philadelphia was supposed to have been dominant yeah. this year. And, I mean, and they just went right down the toilet. Yeah. So – I think, like, I think the surprise team in the East right now is the Islanders. I mean, yeah, they yeah. have a great oh, yeah. team. They have a great team, yes. But, you know, yeah, you got Boston. Boston, you knew, was going to go. Washington, they seem to always get older, but they always seem to figure it out and yeah. get younger legs. Win. Yep. And, you know, and, and you got the Islanders, you got Philly, and you got the Rangers. And, I, I mean, I don't. And Pittsburgh. I mean, there's another. There's you go. There, that yeah. could be your four teams right there. I mean, it's just, it's it's a brutal Eastern Division that the Rangers play in, I mean, you don't know who or when or what is going to go hot or cold. And like you said, Philly, Philly right now is a very cold team. They they pretty much sold out and said, "All right, yeah, we're done. We're looking forward to next season." But you know, that's why I'm on the fringe about the one four versus the one one eight. eight. Yeah, because if you're a Ranger fan, if you go with the one eight, they're they're in. And maybe rightfully so, because they could be left out to a team in the other division that isn't as good as them. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. And you're That's right. Like the same way as saying both number ones, the second, the, the other division's number one, maybe a four. Right. Uh, in the one through eight. And I'm not sure if that's balanced or not. Not yet. No, right. but, but I'm talking the, not just the divisional schedule. I'm talking about next year. Next year, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good point as well. Uh, well, we should we should see what the NHL Board of Governors thinks. <laughs> Maybe we should we should try to cast our vote. Yeah, they see, yeah, click. <laughs> uh, just a quick update on our Utica Comets. The Utica Comets are in fourth place in the AHL North Division with a winning percentage of five eighty three. The Comets are home this Friday night against Rochester, and then on the road Sunday against Syracuse, and Monday night in Rochester before returning home to the Adirondack Bank Center next Wednesday against the Syracuse Crunch. I don't even really think they've announced a playoff format for the AHL yet, have they? Not to my knowledge. I think no. so. so aren't the, com- the Comets are on right now, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yeah. But by the time this is out, that yeah. game will be well over. So, Right. <laughs> That's what's kind yeah. of weird about doing a game or doing a, a show, and then a couple days later it comes out. So Yeah. But uh, Yeah, I, I haven't heard anything about the playoff format for them. It's it's going to be a surprise. <laughs> it's a <laughs> they're just going to yeah. make it announced. Okay, they're in. That's it. So, All right, we're in. Yeah. Um, bubble time. See you, bye. <laughs> uh, and we're going to wrap up this segment with our website of the week. Website of the week is brought to you by 315hockey.com. 315hockey.com is your news hub for all levels of hockey in central New York. This week's website of the week is smallsaves.com. Small Saves is a hockey comic strip written by James DeMarco and features a goalie named Small Saves. 
Uh, I just interviewed this guy with uh, with Barry Shelley on the Rink of Dreams the other night, and it's really interesting. You got to check this this website out. It's really really neat. You know, there's a little, little goalie, and he's always kind of getting himself into trouble, and it's 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 funny. So, if you need a laugh? Check it out. So. Yeah. Okay, so that's going to do it for Hot Takes. We're going to go to another commercial break, and then when we get back, we're going to take a ride on that Zamboni time machine. We'll see you in a minute. Need to find that gift for someone special? Visit Little Falls Presents at the Stone Mill and Canal Place. Stop by today to find unique artist work, T-shirts, coffee cups, gift towels, greeting cards, tote bags, koozies, and original oil paintings and prints. It's all about the art of the gift. For more information, visit mylittlefalls.com slash shop or call 315-508-5310 for details. And we're back with the last segment of Marty's Illegal Stick. And as always, it's time to go on the Zamboni Time Machine. The Zamboni Time Machine is brought to you by Zamboni.com and the Zamboni name is used with permission. This week, the Zamboni Time Machine takes us back to June 12th, 1983, the day boxing legend Muhammad Ali fought an NHL enforcer. Muhammad Ali is considered by many to be the greatest boxer who ever lived. Known for his blazing speed, incredible technique, and of course his big mouth, Ali was a legend in his own time. In 1983, he was 41 years old and past his prime, but he was far from out of the spotlight. At the same time, Dave Semenko of the Edmonton Oilers was one of, if not the toughest enforcer in the NHL. Semenko was about six foot three and weighed about 200 pounds, and his primary job with the Oilers was to make sure no one messed with Wayne Gretzky. Another one of Semenko's teammates on the Oilers was Mark Messier, who had an uncle named Larry who happened to work in public relations. <clears throat> Larry Messier came up with the idea to have Ali fight Semenko in a boxing match. Ali was hesitant at first, but agreed after it was decided the profits from the fight would go to char- charity. Semenko agreed almost instantly and actually trained for the fight with a former Canadian boxing champion. So the fight was scheduled for June 12th at the Northlands Coliseum, which was then the home of the Edmonton Oilers. Prior to the fight, Ali came up with one of his trademark poems about his opponents. And this one went, and I'm going to try to do this in Muhammad Ali's voice, so bear with me. <laughs> no, there no. we go. Ready? Yeah, yeah. Uh, hit cut. And that's the end of the show. You got to Here we go. We're gonna... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dave. <laughs> And just for that. <laughs> so the poem went, Ali comes to meet Semenko, but Semenko is starting to retreat. If Semenko goes back an inch further, he'll end up in a ringside seat. See, see I told you I can do it. What was that? Hey, you want to try that? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> totally off the rails. So who who was who are you trying to imitate? I was trying to I was trying to do a Muhammad Ali voice. <laughs> trying oh, didn't Muhammad work. Muhammad Ali. Yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> Muhammad Ali. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so it was obvious Dave Semenko did not have a boxing background, as he came to the ring wearing a bathrobe that had to be literally cut off because they couldn't get the sleeves around his boxing gloves. The three-round exhibition was actually kind of an anticlimactic, as neither man knocked the other one down, and the fight ended in a draw. And that, my friends, concludes this week's trip on the Zamboni Time Machine. Which took and about 10 minutes longer than it was going to, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm not going to, no comment. No comment. <laughs> really? Oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, you, all right, fine. Do you, all right, I'll, uh, I'll critique the, the imitation. No, no. You, you, need some, you need some work. 
<laughs> well, <laughs> you, you, you notice I don't do that often. Nice <laughs> 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 uh, try. Well, hey, you know, I mean, I, I could wear a bathrobe next episode, okay? You, uh, no, 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 no. I'll wear a bathrobe in the next episode, just like yeah. Dave Samenko, okay? Nope. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, you drive yourself down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get my car with a bathrobe on. I'm going to have boxing gloves here next time. That's perfect. Yep. There you go. There you go. Yep. Oh, well, I think that's going to about do it for this episode. Uh, I think we went a little over our hour time limit, but that's okay. Rob, Rob will forgive us. No, we won't. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but, anyway, <laughs> but anyways, I want to just remind everybody, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Marty's Illegal Stick Hockey Podcast, and you can find us on the web at martysillegalstick.com and mylittlefalls.com. We want to thank Dale Pernington for coming on, for Leo Kinville, for Dave Warner, for Jeremy Roberts, for Keith Labatino. I'm Scott Kinville. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.